Welcome to the Arkansas Wildlife Podcast, the official podcast of the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. We are talking hunting, fishing, and conservation with engaging guests and in-depth discussions with game and fish staff. It's Arkansas Wildlife, the podcast for all things outdoors in the natural state. Welcome to the Arkansas Wildlife Podcast. Trey Reed here with you, and we are once again recording at the Delta Waterfowl Duck Hunters Expo going down at the State House Convention Center in Little Rock on a sultry summer day. It's a great place to be here in the air conditioning. I think we we topped we, we got triple digits yesterday and we're headed for that plus today on the second day of the Delta Waterfowl Expo. We've been having a good time checking in with lots of folks from Oh, different groups that are here for the Delta Waterfowl Expo, second year in a row. It's come to Little Rock, Arkansas, and we're joined today by Jeff Jones from Shen. And Jeff, welcome to the Arkansas Wildlife Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about Shen. I was not real familiar with with the product and kind of heard some whispers about it and then was here at the Delta Waterfowl Expo last year and... (laughs) Saw the booth, saw the product, uh, pretty impressed. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, just kind of like we said, we are new. We've uh, <clears throat> This will be the third selling season, fifth development season that we've worked on. Uh, kind of got a long, extensive background building outdoor products. That's really all I've ever done. And then with Shin, you know, we're just trying to do something a little bit different than has been done in the industry before. We're direct to consumer, so it's not retail sales or that traditional uh, channel of distribution, we direct to consumer, we want that relationship just with the customer. If you have an issue, if you have a question, you've got somebody you can talk to straight with the company. And those it everything. seems to be a, a, a something of a trend more generally, but I've seen it in the outdoor industry with some of the shot shell companies mm-hmm. that direct to consumer model. What, what kind of led you to go that direction with it? Uh, honestly, just really wanting to have the connection with the person that buys the product and is wearing the product. Uh, you want to, you know, if he has an issue or if he has a question or he or she, I just kind of say, he. if that person has a question, they've got a direct line of communication with the manufacturer, with the person that made it, designed it, what was behind it and all that. You wanted that connection directly with the customer. You mentioned this is the third duck season. Y'all been on, on the market, but a couple of years before that in, in development. Let me ask you, what you said you've got pretty extensive background in developing outdoor products. What made you say, all right, we, I want to make a waiter now, and I want to do it this way with these features. Why, why this product? Because a waiter is something that every waterfowler uses. It's something that every waterfowler needs, and it was a product in the market that could be made better there could be a better process of doing it a change in materials a change in the way it was made that would make them actually fit better and last longer that's what you're trying to do isn't every duck hunter looking for that they are (laughs) they really are and you want to you want to make a product that makes that person's experience in the outdoors better you know, and, and, you know, selfishly, you do it for yourself, too. You wanted a better product to wear. Absolutely. So that's kind of where it came from. Let's talk a little bit about that. You said a couple of a couple of years of product development before it even hit the market, and I'm sure there's been re- refinements and, mm-hmm. and things since it has hit the market. What, is, what did that look like? What does R&D look like for, uh, for Shen Waders? Man, it is everywhere. You know, 
when you when you are a direct consumer and you are doing it the way you are, you don't have to kind of worry about what the market is doing, what your uh, what another price point is. That it, it was just a whole concept of let's put everything on a whiteboard and then you know see what works and what makes sense. Uh, so product development is basically it is a giant whiteboard. Any idea that can develop into a product along that way, that's what we do. And then you just kind of refine it and refine it. We'll, t we'll spend two years on an item before we release it to the public. So that means we have an internal test team that'll wear it for a while. And then we have a much broader, wider test team that we'll set that product up with. We'll take everybody's feedback before we bring it to market and sell it. So you're literally sending that, that broader team out and saying, hey, destroy these if you can I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know you're not purposely but you right, want, right. want to see what happens what it happens with it in the field and uh, you know our first year when we built our first sample set to give to that team we, we put out a hundred and I think our 148 pair of waders so you know that's kind of unheard of too saying all right I want feedback from all of this many people to say this is what happens this is what we experienced and that's kind of how we refine the waiter and how we built it. It's how we changed the fit and all that. What did you learn through that process? I mean, how did you, what, what kind of refinements did you make? What, what did you learn about your own product and maybe perhaps the desires of, of duck hunters as you were going through that? You do that. The biggest thing was getting fits, you know, getting tolerances and, and uh, making it kind of work to every body shape and how that, they were used. That's got to be a tremendous challenge. It is, and it, it really is. It's difficult, and it makes your size spectrum so much wider than what you really think. Because, you know, traditional waders only came in, like, regular and stout. Right. So me being 5'8", 155 pounds, wearing a size 10 boot, if the guy next to me is 6'2", and 280, but he's got a size 10 right. boot, we're in the same waiter. Well, that ain't going to work, you know. <laughs> so one of us is not comfortable. So just trying to build a waiter to body sizes and fit the market the best we could. So, so what, is, how, how, what is Shin's model to, to address that concern? So we build them on body size and boot size. So if you're a, you know, we build everywhere. Well, we have little kids' waiters all the way through. Our core sizes is like small, medium, large, XL, 2X, and 3X. And then every boot size from 6 to 14. And then on top of that, we do custom waders. So it, it's a longer process. It's a year out. But if you're, you know, and we see them. Let's be honest. There's people out there that are 5'9", you know, 320 with a, an 11 boot. So we'll, we'll build a custom waiter for that. Right. Person. That's not something you're going to just find Yeah, I mean, that's not off. Shelf. You're not getting that off the shelf. That right. guy needs help, needs a waiter that fits. So we, we do the custom work also. This might be an appropriate time to talk about your name. I don't speak French, but I've spent enough time in South Louisiana to know that Shin is the French word for oak. That's it. Uh, That's exactly how'd you come up with that? The, so, you know, we wanted, so we're a timber hunting waterfowl based company. That's, that's what everybody there's passion is hunting the woods. So you're, you're searching for something that has that meaning behind the woods, behind oak, anything that relates to flooded green timber hunting. And then trying to find something unique. And, you know, along the Delta area, it has a lot of French influence in Arkansas and in Tennessee, Mississippi. So it just kind of naturally developed. And then that word had that weird little 
my mom's an English teacher, had that weird little diacritic above the E. Well, that's a word that I don't think we've ever used on the Arkansas Wildlife <laughs> Podcast, but I do, as a word person myself, I appreciate that. Jeff. Maybe that'll come up in that Wordle game sometime. But anyway, that uh, we just kind of changed that diacritic a little bit, shaped it to look like the delta, to kind of represent ah, the delta nice. area of, uh, you know, East Arkansas, West Mississippi, all that area. Well, speaking of which, you're you're uh, originally from the Texarkana That's area, right. and you said you spent a lot of time in, in Little Rock and in Mississippi. Now, tell us about your your uh, waterfowl hunting adventures. Yeah. Uh, you said y'all are all kind of timber uh, fanatics. What, uh, what 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 where do you hunt? What do you how do you like to do it? I uh, yeah, so I grew up in Texarkana. My parents live right on the Red River. So it was always access to the river. I've always been a timber person. Uh, Arkansas public land is where I still hunt, where I grew up hunting. I went to school in Conway at UCA, then uh, worked in Little Rock, and I just kind of, I did the opposite of that manifest destiny. I kind of moved east, you know. <laughs> right there along the Mississippi River now in northwest Mississippi, our office is right outside of Memphis, and me and my family, we live just across the state line in Mississippi, Buddha. I still have my camp in Holly Grove. I hunt the White River Refuge and uh, several of the other public grounds around there. But, I mean, that's it. I'm a public land timber duck hunter. So you, you are putting your own product to the test. Tell me, tell me, give me the, give me the shin sales pitch. Why should I, uh, you know, buy buy a pair of your waders, and, I, it, it, and you know, there's a lot of good products out there, sure, and there's a absolutely. lot of products that, you know, different price points and things like that. What's what's what is unique, or what what specialization should we look for with Shen? Yeah, so a couple cool things that make us unique. We use a, a nylon based fabric, which is more, it has more tensile strength. It's stronger than polyester, which is readily used on the market. We use a stronger fabric. And then we seam our wader together in a, in a welded technique. So there's no stitching through our seams. So we're not destroying fabric to actually build a wader. Because when you sew a wader, every, there's 11 stitches to the inch. So you're putting 11 holes per, per all inch. The way and when you're talking all the way, yeah, that's, right. a, that's a lot so of then, inches yeah. of holes. So then you have to come in with some tape to fix what you just create, what you just destroyed, and all that. So we, we weld them. It's, it's a welded seam. There's no stitching to it, no holes punched in it. And then on top of that, we give you a lifetime warranty. Now that lifetime warranty is not your life, it's the life of the product, but it is a very good warranty. We do all our repairs in Memphis. If you go out and tear it, snag it on something, have some kind of issue, uh, I always kind of look to that public land duck hunter guy and I think about him. If he goes out on a, <clears throat> excuse me, on a Saturday morning catches it on something has a hole in it if he gets that waiter back to us we're going to have it back to him that following week so he doesn't miss that next saturday that's a heck of a turnaround yeah i don't that's the thing man we're so there's so few days that we get to duck hunt and if you're a guy that's got an eight to five job monday through friday and you've only got saturday and sunday it's only a few days you've got a year to hunt i don't want that person to miss a day of hunting because of something that happened to his product so we're going to turn it around, get it right back to them, and get them back out in the woods. Jeff, you mentioned off the top that you, you have developed a lot of products over the years. Can, can we talk about a little bit of that, yeah. some of the stuff you've done yeah, in the no, past? I'm very happy, proud of my background. So uh, in 97, when I got out of college, 
I went to work for McAllister Company, which was based in Little Rock, right. owned by the Perry family. Sure. Uh, worked in wax canvas, uh, made the shell vest, the guide vest, made all kinds of stuff, and I loved it. I stayed with them from 97, 97 98 until 2001 when a company called Drake Waterfowl bought McAllister. And that's essentially what moved me over into Mississippi. That's where they were based out of. So I stayed with Drake from 2001 till 2020. Uh, oh, wow. You were with them for a good while. Forever. Yeah. yeah. When I started there, there was uh, eight products, nine products. And when I left, I was uh, we were managing about 16,000 SKUs. So about... Oh. If you if you looked at a Max Prairie Wings catalog, there would be 18 pages of Drake product in there. Yeah, wow. What I did so. So you, you that that may be a good segue into one of the things we've talked with some other manufacturers and, and industry folks about is the change. Uh, you, you know the quality of materials that are that are out there now. Uh, I mean. The, the technology that allows us to, to hunt more places than we used to be able to get to, whether you're talking mud motors or e- even satellite uh, mapping technology. I mean, it, the waterfowl world has changed drastically in the last 20 or 25 years, sure. and you've had a front row seat to it as, as a developer of products. What are, what are the big changes that you've noticed and that have had the greatest impact in, in your opinion? Uh, basically what you're saying, the advancements in technology, uh, the access that you have to those companies that's another thing that's changed a lot too so i mean you you have access to fabric companies that were you know at some point in time only making for uh high-end ski apparel or mountain climbing or uh, i actually worked with a group that were that does a nasa project so you now have access to seeing better materials out there. There's more stuff. Technology does advance, and it kind of trickles all its way down to you know a sport like duck hunting. Well, I was going to ask you, like, how, how how did that? What what has given you that that greater access? Just because there's more stuff out there, or is this, I want to? I guess what I'm getting at that trickle down that you're talking about something that's used by NASA. How does it end up in 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 you, you know the the flooded bottoms of the White River or Biomeda Wildlife Management Area? How, how does how does what does that look like? I think a lot of it too is a, you know of course the internet, so it kind of opens the world up, so you're able to find a company that is producing for somebody like NASA or is making a suit and you can and really on my end of it it's just curiosity it's like how did they do that and why are they doing that and then you just kind of just like a dog you just kind of dig into something and get a hold of it and you're going to track it down and find out right uh, and then you know if you're a lifelong waterfowler and this is what you're passionate about and what you love to do you're like, all right, how can I take that and turn it and use it to benefit me and what I'm doing and what I want to do? So that, I mean, I, I tell people this all the time, and it's honestly true. Product development is the most selfish activity you can do because I'm wanting to build stuff that I want and that my friends want that doesn't hinder my hunt. Right. That, it it honestly, ultimately comes down to, and that was, that was going to be one of my next questions is like, what was the motivating factor and i mean i'm sure there's 
you, you want to sell you want to sell units a product but it sounds like it's it's also those selfish reasons it's the selfish reason i want to be comfortable while i'm out there i don't want anything to go wrong and limit the time i have a field and that's for me and it's for the guy that i took out there you know you've been there you're duck hunting and you're having a great time, and somebody next to you's waiter starts leaking. Well, now I've got to worry about time, time to go home for everybody. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> got to leave. You know, there's only so much that you can say. Well, too bad. You know, honestly, you got to say, "All right, we got to go," and kind of ruins. Yeah. Fun. Tell me a tell me a, a recent duck hunting story. You got any got any memorable hunts from last season that come to mind? Now, last year was a really good year. I, we kind of said this repeatedly. Last year was better than the year before, which was way better than the year before that. You know, the white's been out a couple of years. We've had you know good. We had really good weather this past year. We had some good cold fronts, and uh, you know we had good pushes of ducks from you know just before like when the second split came in. Almost all the way through the season, we kind of had continuous pushes of ducks. Uh, had a w- wicked cold front came wicked, through yeah, in, de- that in one December. Right at Christmas. Yeah, that, that it, one that really was brutal cold. Uh, but you know, like fools and everybody else, we still went out there and hunted. Those well, that's what days. as duck hunters, I mean, you, you know, most uh, a lot of people uh, dread that sort of weather, and we're we're watching the Weather Channel and getting giddy and excited yeah. about it. So. Yeah, I think it got a little worse than what everybody was hoping for, but man, it was it was really good. We had some good hunts those days. What are you most looking forward to about uh, this upcoming duck season? Just I, you know, I'm no different than any other duck hunter. You just want more of the same. You you start at the end of the year, you start thinking about what's happening on the prairies, and you're, you start getting these good reports. Uh, there's water up there. There's a ton yeah, that, of water. that that prairie. that is what that's kind of the buzz around this expo. Yeah. I keep hearing lots and of young ducks uh, for a change. That's right. <laughs> and talking to Delta, they're like, there's tons of hatch going on. So you know, really good nest success. So. And I'm like anybody else, man. I want those young ducks. Give me some young, young, young and ducks, dumb, right? Please. <laughs> Send them down. Well, Jeff, uh, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, diving a little bit deeper my, myself into uh, Shin Waders and seeing what they're all about. Uh, but uh, really appreciate you taking a few minutes away from your duties here uh, at your booth at the Delta Waterfowl Duck Hunters Expo and spending some time with us on the Arkansas Wildlife Podcast. Really appreciate it, yes, man. Yes, sir. I enjoyed it. I do it anytime. Thanks a lot, Jeff. That's all we've got for this episode of Arkansas Wildlife. Appreciate you listening in, and we will talk to you next time. Take care, everybody.